One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Brunson defends, snaps it outside to Wiggins. Goes by Bullock. Oh! Drops the sledgehammer. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your weekend update. Before we start, don't forget you can get this podcast without ads by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show and subscribing. Big weekend, conference finals, Keith. Are you excited? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Some not great- as excited as I was, though, for this Andrew Wiggins dunk. On Sunday in Game 3 against the Mavericks. So excited, Keith. I'm derailing the show to start with this dunk. It was incredible. You already have me off kilter like Luca was. I'm going to fall down and pretend I got hit in the throat. Andrew Wiggins jumps from two feet in the dotted circle and just absolutely posterizes Luka Doncic in this game. Uh, the refs blew the call. They call an offensive foul, Keith. I know you like to defend the refs. There is no defending the referees on this foul call. Well, Dave, when you see the play, sure, there's not. But if if you were to defend the referee who made this incorrect call, you would point to the fact that Luka Doncic grabbed his throat and collapsed to the ground as if an elbow had struck him in the throat. And he, he flopped. And the league doesn't find flopping anymore. So, like, because Luka goes to the ground like that, Mark Davis is like, you know what? I think I saw that. I think I saw that arm come out. I'm going to call this an offensive foul. He was deceived by the actions of the Mavericks player, Luka Doncic, and thus we get the incorrect call. So, yes, this call was missed. This call is not missed if uh, Luka Doncic does not fake this play. It's a good play by Luka. He's incentivized because he's about to get dunked on you know what, I'm going to fall down and grab something and hopefully I'll get a call. He did get a call. Um, I blame the players. But yeah, hey, you posterize the guy like that. Just We we let these things go, even if if it's blatant. But then when you see it's not blatant, it's just embarrassing. Like, why do we blow our whistle there? The one side benefit is that, for once, I didn't have to beg for replay of an awesome dunk. I got to see that (laughs) one over, forward, and backwards repeatedly. It was awesome. And in order for that dunk to happen, the Warriors and Mavericks had to play some games. So let's get to the games. They actually played two games, game two and game three, in their best-of-seven series. Uh, Both of these games wind up the same way. Warriors win. They now lead the series 3-0. But I would say the path there, Keith, a bit different. In game two on Friday night, the Mavs started out Super hot. They finally got some threes to fall in the series. And Luka had 18 points in the first quarter, had 42 for the game. The Mavericks led 72 to 58 at halftime in game two in Golden State. Keith, everything was going great for them up to that point. It really was. It seemed like they were going to level the series. This is a series where a lot of people, myself included, thought the Mavericks would have the upper hand. We just saw them dispose of the Phoenix Suns. And I I don't know, we don't need to get into that, like how this reflects on the Suns at all. I mean, I guess each individual series is its own thing. But because of the Mavericks taking care of the Suns, I was like, wow, this is going to be a great series. Like the Mavericks are are, are awesome. 
I can't wait to see this. And then you assume in a game two, when you lose the first one, you are going to have that bounce back. We see this first half. We see all the threes dropping that we're not dropping in game one. You're like, all right, the Mavs have them right where they want them. But then the Warriors, as they've been doing recently, they've been doing throughout this entire playoff run, they have these third quarters and they just... They chew up the other team. They they seemingly run everything they want to run. Their their defense starts really locking in, and then they keep getting these second chance opportunities that Wiggins has been doing recently. Uh, Kevon Looney, this unsung hero who's becoming a sung hero, who showed up in the last few games for the Warriors. He's been great, and yeah, the Warriors just an absolute uh, murderous second half where the Mavericks could not keep up. And you know, I know this guy is easy to overlook, but one name you forgot to mention. Stephen Curry started to look more like the Steph Curry that we remember 32 points in game two on Friday hit six threes. I mean, the second half run that they went on where they outscored the Mavs by 23 in the second half. I mean, that was Steph Curry. That was uh, 2016 Steph Curry. Yeah, a lot of us podcasters, we've been buttering our bread on on this whole like, hey, but Steph isn't Steph. Like that's how, every time we talk about the Warriors all season. It's like, yeah, Steph's great. But he's not MVP, Steph. Well, game two on Friday, Steph was pretty stinking good. And then the Steph we saw on Sunday, also stinking good. Like, if Steph turns back into MVP, Steph, it might be a wrap. Because this Warriors team looked terrifying uh, in the second half of game two and then throughout game three. And speaking of game three, if the role players for the Mavs were blisteringly hot in game two, they were, I don't know, sub-Arctic frozen in, in game three. I don't know that I can think of uh, back-to-back performances that were quite so such a stark difference. Reggie Bullock, 0 of 7 from three. Maxi Kleba, 0 of 5. 2 of 5 from Dorian Finney-Smith, and, and those two were pretty late. Uh, Keith, this is the story for the Mavericks. Luka is going to do his thing. Jalen Brunson is mostly going to do his thing. He's going to get you like 20. These role players are either going to stick shots or they're not, and it seems like it's boom or bust with them. They, they're feast or famine. They're either all those guys are hitting or no one is. Yeah, the story of the game for me, you know, you can compliment a lot of the stuff the Warriors did, and you compliment it rightly. You, you can point to Luka having a big game. There's a lot of critiques you can make of Luka's game, where you're like, guy, right, he was a little bit of a traffic cone at time on defense. But I would kind of argue he was good enough. If you get nothing from Bullock, like, like, if he plays 40 minutes and gives you zero points, which he did, I believe it's just him and Trevor Ariza from that Rockets Game 7 in 2018, the only guys in playoff history to play 40 minutes in a game and give you zero points uh, in the playoffs. Like, you can't have nothing from these guys. And and not just, the, like, the lack of the shots going in. Um, Kleber out there, like, he wouldn't even, he, was, he wasn't looking to score. He was passing shots up. And you could tell Bullock wasn't quite, himself he was passing shots up and then it became this thing where the Warriors are a good defense but when you start passing up shots then the Warriors defense becomes incredible it's almost too much like Luka did all he could didn't what he had a fine game Brunson had a fine game but like if only you're having two to three players on the court at a time who are looking at the basket who are gonna knock the shots down it's not enough it's I mean it's a credit to the Mavericks to keep this game as close as they did Again, when you're getting nothing kind of from those from those other role players. Yeah, Maxi's completely fallen off a cliff, and you mentioned it. He's not even looking to shoot, which has totally killed their offense and negates the whole purpose of having him out there, which is that five-out look. At Dwight Powell, 
pretty unplayable in this series, I, I think. Maxi being their best option if he's going to shoot. I don't know where they go in game four. And as we know, no NBA team has ever lost a series up 3-0. Yeah, watching this game, I was struck with, like, do you just have to go with Bertans? Like, Bertans is going to shoot. The dude is going to shoot. He even got a dunk in this game, by the way. I can't remember the last time I saw him. Didn't hit a three, though. Pump and go and got a dunk. But, like, he at least will, will put the shots up. I mean, he takes some stuff off the court otherwise as far as his defense. But, yeah, I don't know what Jason Kidd, what his options are. If you're like, listen, I have to keep playing Bullock. Like, you know, they've put in, and other times, like Frank Nielakina, you can't have Frank Nielakina out there. Like, the, the Warriors aren't going to guard him. So it's a, it's a tough spot. And, and like Kleber, it's like, you know, how Bullock was night and day from game two to game three. His is longer. His was like the first, however, it was like six or seven games in the playoffs, absolutely on fire. All his three is going in. And now it's totally tailed off. And now he's losing that confidence. And you see how the Mavs are much easier to defend when he's not able to take his shots and make his shots. Yeah, so I guess at this point is uh, the question that we have to ask. Do the Warriors want another home playoff game? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, you would think the Mavericks would get one of these, um, especially the way they performed in game two and how well they played you know, throughout this playoff run. But the Warriors look tough, and they're really coming into their own, and especially like the guy who's coming into his own, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, who had a playoff high, we finished with 27 points, and it's not just it's not the scoring. And I know this is a Grizzlies fan who saw him kill my team. It's the rebounding. This guy is unstoppable on the glass. He had six offensive rebounds in this game. He's become this like two-way force, and it's mainly defense. We call him a two-way player, but he's mainly he's a defensive specialist for the Warriors. And then when he can give you 27 and also a poster dunk, thanks to Steph. Uh, Steve Kerr's challenge, like, you know, a huge game from Wiggins who's having an incredible playoffs. Like, he was probably the unsung hero from the Grizzlies-Warriors series. Like, from my perspective as a Grizzlies fan and someone who podcasts about him, like, that was the guy who was killing us the whole series. Like, like yes, Steph has big games. Clay has, has a penchant for hitting big shots. Draymond's a fantastic player. But, like, Wiggins was killing us. And in this game, you, you see again that the Wiggins just playing unbelievably well. And then my mind starts turning back to, like, they got a pick? They got a pick with him when they traded away D'Angelo Russell? They ended up getting Kuminga and Wiggins uh, for D'Angelo Russell? But anyway, that's that's another story. And somehow Wiggins is the guy that everyone's shipping out this summer. I, I mean, listen, I don't know that there's a guy that needs to be shipped out, but Wiggins doesn't seem to be the one. No, I mean, he is uh, he's he's the rug that ties the room together. I mean, he's every he's playing so well. And uh, this game tonight was just a fantastic demonstration of how much he's like really transformed his game from someone who we were like, hey, I wish he shot a little bit less and I wish he played a little bit harder on defense. Like that was the general perception of him on the Timberwolves, whether that's fair or not. But I mean, hey, being around multiple Hall of Famers, uh, being in the Warriors system, he's really kind of just changed his whole aura. And now you see this guy who he's like, I'm going to guard the other team's best player. I'm going to crash the glass. And then I'm using my athleticism. And then when the buckets come to me in the flow of the offense, I'm going to have these scoring nights like tonight. I, I choose to believe that Draymond and Steph played good cop, bad cop 
with <laughs> Andrew Wiggins until they got him to the place where he could just do this on his own. He's he's been awesome all playoffs, and I mean their most consistent player, as you kind of alluded yeah. to. I mean he's both ways, and the rebounding has been a, a issue for him his entire career. Lack of force in that area, put back dunks. It's kind of been his thing all playoffs. He's just sneaking in there, getting those big putbacks. So game four coming up, Keith, uh, sweep or no? I, you know, on the spot, I'm going to say we'll get a gentleman sweep. The Mavs take care of business at home, and then the Warriors uh, clean it up in game five to finish it off. Yeah, I think the Mavs, look, we give them credit for how tough they've been all year. I think they're too tough to to lose in a sweep. But uh, I don't know, man. Warriors are pretty good. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. On Saturday, Keith, we had, listen, this Eastern Conference Finals is kind of a throwback. It's very physical. I want to call this a bit of a fist fight. And the Miami Heat got two players back in this game who had not been available in the first two games. Kyle Lowry dealing with the hamstring injury. And Bam Adebayo, who just hadn't shown up to do anything. (laughs) And the Heat now lead that series 2-1. Keith Bam was awesome in this game. He had 31 points, 10 rebounds. He created offense in a way that he hadn't in the first two games in this series. He was spectacular on both sides of the ball, Keith. Yeah, we'd known on one side of the ball on on defense, he'd been making his mark already in this series, but they really hadn't gotten him involved, and that was something that Spolstra highlighted. They, They wanted to work on. They needed to give him some more opportunities, and he was just massive. I mean, just an unbelievable game uh, in this one. And, like, call it an old-school matchup or a fist fight. This was a bizarre game with the the multiple injuries. Jimmy Butler leaves with the sore knee. Um, the, the Heat get out to this big lead, and then it seems like the Celtics are crawling back in it. You have Marcus Smart goes down to this horrible-looking injury that was like... It was just it was painful to see and hear like the he audio was from the up, broadcast and it, was horrifying. And they was didn't horrifying. cut the mic. Yeah, that was like really upsetting. But then he comes back to the game, uh, hits a like the step back three, and it feels like the Celtics are gonna get there, but they don't. You have you know, Bam playing huge, and then Max Struess comes through in the big moments. This Max Struess guy who's just taken all of Duncan Robinson's minutes this year um for for the Heat and like Max Struess another great testament to the developmental program of the heat. Uh, just like a, a huge win where um, the heat pulled off and the Celtics, they got close. It felt like they were going to ha- have the storyline where they get it done, but, but they're, they're, they're turned away. Pretty hard when your opponent has 19 steals, Keith, the 24 turnovers for the Boston Celtics, 19 steals for the heat. 
33 points off those turnovers for the Heat. And that really is more than the game because it was only a six-point game, 109-103. Miami did win this game by six points, but the turnovers were the difference. And Kyle Lowry spurred those turnovers. He had four steals, including the game-sealing steal on the inbound of, of Marcus Smart. And, and, Keith, this is the stuff that they've missed with Kyle Lowry. Mixing it up in the passing lanes, getting the ball out in transition, the hit-ahead passes that we saw. This team was moving way better than than in the first two games of the series. Right, and also Kyle Lowry was moving way better than he had in the last couple of games he played this playoffs where it seemed like he was hampering him. I think we're watching Gabe Vincent play, and we're like, should he keep being the starter based on the Kyle Lowry we've seen so far? But then you saw this, all right, this is the Kyle Lowry they need. And it felt like the Heat remember kind of figuring some stuff out as far as like maybe they're like these are their guys. You see Tyler Hero, he was a he was a question mark for me in this game where he was being targeted by the Celtics and he had a he had a rough shooting game, but like, you know, that it clearly seemed like a weak link and it was like, all right, can they can they stick with this guy with Hero? So like maybe that is still a question the Heat are gonna have, but um, this this whole series has just been weird, and I know a lot's been made of the the Heat have only won two quarters of the uh, of the twelve quarters that have been played. They got a two one lead in the series. That doesn't really matter, but it, it's just been an odd overall series where I, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on what's going to happen in Game Four. It's been entertaining, um, but like yeah, it it, it has been um, it's been exciting and, and just different. Well, part of that, Keith, is that we don't know who's playing from quarter to quarter, much less game to game. Robert Williams was out of this game, and he had been pretty good in the first two games. Jimmy Butler didn't finish this game, played the first half, and he was good. I mean, he had eight points, and they were plus 13 in his minutes, but something clearly bothering him with his knee. Um, as of right now, we don't know who's available for game four, Keith. It really is uh, it's a little, little bit of a Schrodinger's lineup. Yeah, I think the injury report is Gabe Vincent. These are the players that are questionable. Gabe Vincent, P.J. Tucker, Max Struess, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, uh, Robert Williams, and Marcus Smart. All questionable, so I guess who knows. I think in a war of attrition like this, it favors the Heat. They've played their depth more. Like... I know Heat fans are going to be more confident if it's like, hey, Duncan, it's your time. Like, let's go, as opposed to, like, Aaron Neesmith. You know, just... Neesmith has less experience. Like, he's been... He's played a lot less minutes overall. And, like, I think the Heat, with their for lack of a better term, their culture, like they have a lot of investment and a lot of playing time investment in all the guys on their roster. And I, I think they are deeper than the Celtics. And so maybe if you see a lot of guys missing, that does favor Miami. I mean, that's actually what the Heat culture is about, right? The the whole plug-and-play, being able to drop guys in. You mentioned Duncan Robinson. He played four minutes in this game. And on Nerder, we were kind of saying this might be a series where they need him. But when Max Struess is going to play like he did down the stretch, you don't. Yeah, they need him to rebuild his trade value, Dave. That's what they that's what they need for the offseason. Knock down a couple threes, buddy. We'll get you in a new spot. Find you some playing time. No, Max Drews has been incredible. I mean, I remember watching Max Drews in Summer League last year. Like he was like it's a it's a great just story of like a guy who worked his way up, you know, and like was playing Summer League for him and then earned minutes. And then it's like you see him now, you know, hitting a like the put away three pointer in, in the final minute to, to put the team up four. Yeah, well, the Heat now lead that series two games to one. Game four going to be Monday night. 
Keith, you want got a little prediction as we wrap up here? Man, this series has me so off balance, much like you started the show and had me off kilter. This series has me off kilter. I have no idea what's going to happen. But you know what I want? I want overtimes. I'm going to say two overtimes, but I don't know who's going to be. We need, we need a close overtime game one of these nights, and, and I, think, uh, I think game four Heat Celtics is going to be the one. And that's going to do it for today's show, folks. Hope you guys have a great start to your week. Keith, get out of here. Ding, ding. Brunson defends, snaps it outside to Wiggins. Goes by Bullock!